0: And I want you to notice this scenario in, uh, in, I said 1 Samuel chapter 11, I believe it. I said, I'm sorry, let me get there. And it's, I want to look at Saul. I said chapter 11. I'm sorry, chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10. And when, uh, Notice Saul, okay, he's a guy that, that really doesn't want to be king. But all of a sudden, I want you to look at verse 6. The Spirit of the Lord will come mightily upon you, and you shall prophesy with them, and you shall be changed into another man. And it shall be when those these signs come to you, do for yourself what occasion requires, for God is with you. Changed into another man. And you shall go down before me to Gilgal, and we'll come and down to bird offerings and stuff like that, and go, and uh, skip on down to verse verse 10. And when they came to the hill, there behold, a group of prophets met him, and the spirit of God came upon him mightily, so that he prophesied among them. And it came about when all knew him previously, saw that he prophesied. And now that with the prophets, with the people, one said to another, "What has happened to the son of Kish?" Is Saul also among the prophets? He's changed to another man. And they're going, wow. Look at him up there prophesying bold and all this kind of stuff. But then all of a sudden, guess what? It comes time for Samuel to, him to be, step up as king. And look over here in verse 22. Therefore they inquired further of the Lord, has the man come here yet? So the Lord said, behold, he is hiding himself in the what? Baggage. Y'all, some period of time before it, man of God, bold, bold, I'm the power of God. And he's prophesying all this stuff. And you're going, whoa. I don't know, a short period of time later, he's filled with fear and he's hiding in the baggage. Same guy we're seeing in 1 Samuel 15 when all of a sudden the people were kind of withdrawing from him and he gets afraid and he disobeys God. And he tells God, well, I was afraid the people were going to leave me, paraphrase. And God makes a statement to him. He says, were you not just little in your own eyes? In other words, what he's revealing is in Saul's heart is, oh man, the power of God, the presence of God, the ministry of God can come on him and he can operate in fullness, but when it comes over here, in another place of fullness in his soul, he leaked. He couldn't stand. Now, why is it? Y'all seen it happen. That where, brother, like I said earlier, brothers and sisters of the Lord stand up mightily, prophesy, speak awesome. Somebody preaches mighty and awesome. Power of God comes on them. They experience something. But the reality is by the time they get out to the car in the parking lot, If something goofy happens, they act like a jerk. Why is that? Lack. Lack. God's heart for us is to experience fullness of Jesus, not just fullness of the Spirit. That's why Colossians 2.10 is so crucial. It says, in Him we have been made complete. We're full. Or be not drunk with wine, where it's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The interesting thing about Philippa, uh, Ephesians 5:18, y'all, you know, that's a continuous action verb. You got to keep on being filled with the Spirit. But the interesting thing about Ephesians, uh the Colossians 2:10 passage, in Him you have been made complete. You know what? That's point action. That's finished. I, I, I am not after the person who is mightily gifted. Uh, those days are over for me. I'm after the man or woman of God that walks in the fullness of who Jesus is within their soul. I'm not after the person who can get filled with the Spirit and walk out the door and they leak. You know, all I've seen what it's like. Uh, maybe somebody pulls into your your uh, driveway and they've got an antifreeze leak or maybe uh, something's leaking, an oil leak. When they pull in and they back out and you can see where they were by the stream. Well, y'all, I'll be honest with you. Many times, I, I see that on a Sunday morning or intern meeting. I see people getting filled up, and as they walk out the door, you see these streams, spiritual streams of the life of Jesus, draining out. Well, you know, y'all, that was Saul. But how about Peter? You know, you see Peter in Acts chapter 2. He preaches mightily, and guess what? Two, what, 3,000 saved on that first day? But didn't you see Peter in Galatians chapter 2 when all of a sudden, uh, there was a situation that had arisen with, uh, with the Judea, Jews, and a little pressure gets put on him, and so he starts compromising, and, and Paul has to rebuke him. Because compromise, Peter, the great apostle Peter, compromising. Why? I mean, in Acts 2, we're seeing mightily preach. In Galatians 3, some period of time after, we're seeing compromise in his life. Why? I want to present to you this is what we're talking about here. Fullness of Jesus. And what God has just given us down through the years, in fact, when we counsel and we're sitting in the room in there, or when I'm sitting with somebody, what you do is, is you you can find out how to minister to somebody by seeing the needs that are generated in their lives, seeing the lack in their lives, and and where it's going and how it's coming, and you can go in that direction to minister to somebody. It's so cool. It is really cool. So, but anyway, let's summarize this in this way. That this first step is what we're after is to experience fullness. The fullness of Jesus. That in us, the fullness of Jesus is so great that no matter what lack we face in this world, the fullness of Him in us is greater than than any lack in the world. Just like when Jesus spoke to a storm, the fullness in Him changed the circumstance in the storm. That's what I want. And I know that's why you're here. That's what you want. Because y'all, I mean, what's the difference between a Christian... And a non-Christian. Sure, Jesus. But the question is, as every one of us, God has caused the the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. Right? Well, what is the difference, y'all? The the lack that every one of us in this world, both unbelievers and believers, the lack that we face, that we can face with the fullness of Jesus. But I'll be honest with you, uh, and I've experienced it in my own life, but I just determined this, that I want the fullness of Jesus. And then when I face lack, that out of that comes the fullness of Him to face and deal with whatever circumstance. Now, y'all, I'm not going to stand up here today, this week, and tell you I've got it all together. And I'm in this process of you. But I am determined this, I'm in this process. I'm in this process. And I'm convinced of this, that the fullness of Jesus is enough. That is enough but this this recent days for me the last three months has been such a craziness of of uncertainty and lack that it's really given me a huge massive opportunity to uh really exp- to to grow press stretch. I was telling some people. The other day and front most of have heard this, but business is so has got so intense in so many different fronts that you know uh you know at one period of time thank God it's starting to narrow down a little bit, but one period of time, I was dealing with five different law firms, not lawyers, law firms in three different states on eight different business deals, not to mention i'm a husband i'm a father i'm a i'm head up an internship program, an elder in the church, and that I counsel and I'm supposed to go to other churches and I do do conferences and stuff like that. And so, and then I got sick on top of it for like about a month, which I could get get over it. And so, and I just was confronted with all this lack. All this lack. And, and it was just really pushing. But I just convinced y'all that it's been a massive opportunity to discover and and just experience the fullness of God. And I keep reminding myself the word that the Lord spoke to me at the beginning of the year. Rick, 2010 is the year of possibility in the midst of impossibilities. I'm going, okay, God, okay. (laughs) Because I'm seeing a lot of impossibilities, and and all of a sudden, you know, I'm going, okay, God, I hold fast to this. I hold fast to this promise. I hold fast to this promise. And then, like, and I'm starting to see that the impossibilities take form and become possible. You know, you know. I just give you an example. We thought, you know, 2010 as a result of the situation in 2008 in Florida. You know, where Marcy and them just came from. St. Lucie County, Okeechobee County, and Palm uh, and uh, Martin County. I mean, real estate values went like not. I mean, sometimes half or more stock, y'all, in one bank that where Marcy's from, where multiple of the people in that region invested money in. They, they, it was deemed this was just a very safe investment. Was it Seacoast or Seacoast? Riverside. People, very safe investment. I mean, the stock, I think, was... Yeah, seven, eight hundred dollars a share. Secure investment. You know what it went down to? Zero. In this region. And so, 2008, we're right before that period of time where we had that opportunity to, to sell three fifths of our company down there at a time when real estate values were really high, and we're going, yeah, yeah, this is awesome. And you all know the testimony. One day before it occurs. The deal falls apart. You know, When the banking industry, this is where he's getting finance was who? Seacoast Bank. And I'm going, man, God, what's up? Could have just been one more day. One more day. And I'm getting you know, inside and said, like, Oh, God, what did you do? What did, do? what did I do? And all of a sudden I'm realizing, you know, that period of time between then and now, that multi-million dollar deal, you couldn't have traded for the growth that Jesus has done in me. But then, in the midst of this, y'all, in 2010, real estate value is still in that place. Seacoast, state, bank, stock, I think is still, Riverside Bank, yeah, still nothing. But all of a sudden, we go and sit down in the midst of this hardcore thing in Fort Pierce, Florida, sitting there at the Red Lobster with a guy, And we negotiate a real estate deal that's only only 15% less value than it was in 2008. That is really cool. That is really cool. The fullness of Jesus. And God told me it was going to happen when I sat down with a guy. We were going to have dinner with him, just going to have dinner. We weren't even thinking about anything. And the Lord told me this whole thing is going to happen. Y'all, what I'm trying to say is, in the midst of a time of lack, in the time of economies are tough, the time, the times that when situations are are hopeless, like Elijah and the widow, when there's a famine in the land. Y'all, what differentiate between the believers and the unbelievers is the fullness of Jesus to deal with the lacks in our society, and that's what I'm convinced. God has called us. To walk in the fullness of Jesus in a time of lack, instead of lack causing us to freak, y'all, God is calling us. When the lacks come, we go. hearken. this is an opportunity for the fullness of Jesus. That's why, y'all. James one says, "Counted all joy when you counter various what trials." Or in James uh, Romans chapter five verse three, we glory in our tribulation. Or in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, we exult, even though you have, you know, oh, what is it? 1 6, 1 6, 1 6. Well, it talks about rejoicing in the midst of trials. And y'all have heard me say this before. Either, either the apostles were sick. In other words, they were, what do you call it, people that they're masochists? <laughs> or they know something. They know something. I believe y'all. They weren't sick. They know something. And what we're after is that fullness, and we don't want to talk about it. We want to experience.